Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling using the EFT method, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one session in English and French, and also group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our website can be found at lifecoachdenandlike.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our last episode, number 10 of season seven, a very special guest, Mike Duffy. And just like every of my past episodes, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Mike, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, Dan, I want to thank you for having me on today. Uh, You know, if I was going to introduce myself, I would say that the highlights of my career are as follows. I've written five books on happiness. I'm the founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame, which includes Muhammad Ali, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, the San Francisco Giants, the Wounded Warrior Project, and many, many others, including our latest inductee, John C. Maxwell. Um, So we recognize, celebrate, and encourage people and organizations that make other people happy. A thousand years ago, St. Augustine said, it is in giving that we receive. And that's how you get on your path to happiness, not by thinking inward, but by thinking outward. Beautiful. This is what also Zig Ziglar said. When you help others, you know, be happy or succeed, you will succeed yourself. So that has the same kind of principle. You know, I'm so glad you brought up Zig. Zig Ziglar, for anybody that can hear the sound of my voice, I would truly encourage you to go to YouTube and do a little research and listen to a little wisdom from Zig. The man was one of the happiest people that's ever graced the planet. And he, he was because he cared about others. So, so do some research on Zig Ziglar, Z-I-G-L-A-R. Yes, I went to his uh, live seminar and I was so inspired. And that was one reason why I became a therapist is because I really love his message. I loved on how he always was so focused on making others succeed, making other people happy. And you will find happiness from within by acting from without. So that's how I feel that my goal and my purpose in life has been met thanks to a lot of motivational speakers as Zig Ziglar and the many others out there. So Mike, what brought you to focus on the concept of happiness, just like this podcast that I'm offering now? You know, I am a silver linings guy. I look at life as beautiful, but in every life, there are going to be times when it rains. You can't avoid it. Now, at the age of 54, I can tell you this. Sometimes when it's raining, it's there to bring you further. That believe it or not, this is going to make you stronger, better, and focus in on what's important in life. So when I was 17 years old, my beautiful mother, who looked like Sophia Loren, <laughs> she, you know, and she was as funny as Lucille Ball. Everybody loved her. Everybody. And we were very close. I was a mama's boy. 
But I remember one day we picked her up outside the doctor's office and she was crying. And she said, they've given me three months to live. Oh, wow. Now, there were four children and my dad who loved her. There was, you know, there was no talk of divorce or anything like that. It, they loved each other. And so you have a very happy person in a very happy family, all of a sudden, three months later, ripped completely asunder. Both of my parents had a sixth grade education. They were Irish immigrants from Dublin, Ireland. So there was no money. And back in the mid 80s, this is 1984, people went to therapy were considered crazy people. It's not like today, thank God. Thank God, right? Yes, yes. But you know, there was no money for this. So I said, okay, well, I have to find a path forward. How do I get out of this depression, which was taboo in 1984? So like you, I followed the speakers. I read the literature, both current scientific and ancient wisdom. Ancient wisdom is eternal wisdom. It's around because it works. We're the same human beings we were a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, with the same worries, fears, and concerns. They have not changed. So, and I have been obsessed with happiness, success, and resilience as a result of that. So, you know, I remember when I wrote my first book, I was in my 40s and I said to myself, you know, I've got two kids. If I were to go in a quick way, all that I have learned, what would happen to my kids' wisdom? So really my first book, The Happiness Book, A Positive Guide to Happiness, was a love letter to my children. That's my legacy. So that's where all of this came from. Beautiful. As you know, as colleagues, you and I, Mike, because I also wrote books about happiness. It's called 100 Days or Less Reaching Your Ultimate Happiness. Beautiful. And yes. And that was one of the biggest accomplishments. I wrote 10 books overall, but not about happiness. We're talking about fitness, business, etc. But this book is the longest. It has over 500 pages. Wow. Yeah. And I could have gone on for like a thousand because there's so much to talk about. And a lot of people ask me, is it, does it take 100 days to really be happy? I tell them no. The reason is because 100 days are not 100 calendar days. They're 100 days based on your pace because everyone has a different interpretation what happiness means to them individually. So I tell them, look, go at your pace. This is not a race. This is something that you will do for the rest of your life, just like meditation, eating, sleeping, whatever it is. So you have to go through the process and understand that each day you have, maybe each day of the book means 10 days or a week or two weeks to really master. Yeah. And this is what I teach people on how to do it. So I think you and I, we, we see life the same way, but we always have our own interpretation. So if you would teach people, uh, Mike, on how to be happy, what would be the best strategy that you would offer? Sure. Every morning when you wake up, ask yourself this one question, how can I be a blessing to others? Okay. When you start out with the framework of how I can help other people, all of a sudden, it's not the internal focus of everything that I want, I don't have. Mm -hmm. I, I have 90 things, but I want 100. When you start out with a framework of lack, even though you could be wealthy, you're not gonna be happy, right? Happiness comes as a result of 
watching joy on other people's faces and knowing that you were partly responsible for that, mm -hmm. right? Because if you were to be like, okay, well, I'm going to eat this very high calorie thing. <laughs> Cheesecake. <laughs> Cheesecake. Oh, yes. Yeah, and you're down in Florida, the, you know, mm -hmm. uh, although Miami really is the home of cheesecake, which That's is a great cheesecake there. But yeah, you eat and you're like, oh my God, I'm eating this cheesecake. That cheesecake could be on your body for the next 10 years. Okay. So that's not going to make you happy. But think about all of the happy times in your life. And when you think back, you're going to think about gifts that you gave people. You're going to think about, you know, birthday presents that you gave folks. Um, you know, I remember, um, I look, I have a 16 year old daughter. I just bought her a new Mustang. The joy that my daughter had. Now, I know that some people say, oh, that's very irresponsible. However, <laughs> I wanted to flip the script. My first car was a 1971 Volkswagen Squareback. There was more rust than there was paint. The tires were so thin in Queens, I came down Woodhaven Boulevard with a light rain. I'm not going fast. It had no first gear. Top speed was 45 miles an hour on the highway. And I make a left across a four lane boulevard, Queens Boulevard, right across from St. John's and the Queen Center Mall. There's a bus stop. There was about 30 people waiting in line at the bus stop. I almost took out the whole line because you know my, my tires were so threadbare, I went sideways. Luckily nobody got hurt. Killing. <laughs> but that was my first car and it was terrible. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna flip the script. I want to see joy on her first car. And, and no matter what happens in her life, she'll always have that, wow, you know, my first car was this. And yeah. if I can afford it, why not? I agree with you, Mike. Absolutely. But here I'm going to ask you a question that's going to be very challenging, even you or I to be able to answer. It is said that many people, to be able to give happiness to others, they have to be happy from within. They have to learn how to be happy themselves. And if you look at marriages nowadays with all the challenges, with all the hurdles and problems and conflicts, they, they cannot make the other person happy. They have to be first happy themselves and be selfish. So doesn't that contradict what we're saying about if you make other people happy, you will find happiness. But the reality is that you have to be happy yourself before you can make someone else happy. So that's kind of like, we're kind of struggling like pull and push rope kind of thing. Why don't you just keep trying to make people happy? It don't worry about all, you don't have to overthink things. I have a, I have a homeless outreach. So most days I go out and I find my friends on the street. Let me tell you a story, Dan. I started the Happiness Hall of Fame and the one person I really wanted to get into the hall was Mother Teresa. Unfortunately, she had passed. So I said, okay, I'm going to induct Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity. It's a worldwide organization with one motto, all for the poor. The nuns, and they're all over the world, take a vow of poverty. They see their family once a decade. It's all for the poor. They are not saving up for retirement. It is all for the poor. Right. So I called up the local convent in San Francisco 
And I said, you know, at the Stanford University Faculty Club, we want you to come down. We're going to film you on making a movie. You'll be in the movie. You'll get your message out. You'll get more support. You know, people, people don't even know you exist, you know. So the mother superior is like, yep, yep. She goes like, we can do nothing without permission from India. So I'm going to call India and I'll call you back. I said, great. So they called me back three weeks later. They said, we checked it all out, checked you out. We want to be a part of this, but we can't be filmed. And the reason why we can't be filmed is we don't want to have an individual, you know, we don't want to take individual credit for the work that we do. So what you can do is you can come up to the convent, you can come in and uh, you can hand me the award, but you can't take a picture with me. I said, okay. So I said to my daughter who was nine at the time, I said, I want you to meet these amazing women who give their entire lives for other people. This is very important. So we go up there and we had two dozen cupcakes, the expensive kind. I wanted the, the nuns to have a nice dessert that night. I have a sweet tooth, right? Okay. So I just wanted to make them happy. And I, I hand it to the mother superior and she opens her gosh, she goes, oh my gosh, I've never seen cupcakes like this. This is amazing. Our friends on the street will love these. <laughs> now, Dan, there are times in everyone's life when a word or a phrase can change your life. It was at that moment when she referred to homeless people as our friends on the street that the scales fell from my eyes. I stopped seeing homeless people as people down on their luck as drug addicts. And I started seeing through their eyes that these are friends I just haven't met yet. Mm. And that's what started the Happiness Hall of Fame, homeless outreach. And that has brought great joy to me. Now I know that I bought, brought joy and I do on a daily basis to other people, but to me, oftentimes in life, we tend to overthink things. I have a degree in psychology. There's a lot of conflicts back and forth. Just help people and it'll, it'll, you'll get it right. You know, I made the decision on my first date with my wife. I looked at her, she was beautiful, she was kind, she was funny. And within 10 minutes of the date, I looked at her and without me speaking, I mentally said to her, I will marry you if you give me a chance. I knew, you know that old cliche, oh, when you meet the right person, you'll know. That would make me so angry. I was 34 years old. I hadn't met the right person. And it would really make me, and then bang. But I decided at that moment that I would treat this relationship different than any other relationship that I've ever had. As a result, I'm ecstatic with my marriage. I put my wife first, okay? And, and you know what? What happens? The law of reciprocity, she puts me first. I see. You know, I told my wife, if she ever leaves me, I'm coming with her. <laughs> well, that defines the purpose of leaving you. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want me to follow. So that's, uh, but that's actually a very good approach. It's persistence, to say the least. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that the passion just in, in your voice, you have a very soothing voice, Mike. And at the same time, you, you, you still provide a message that has so much depth. 
so much. It's so genuine to be able to listen to you and the passion that you have to make other people uh, happy. And, you know, we, we all have our own journey, okay? And the thing is, is that this journey is never really a straight line to being happy because I have had other guests in the podcast, actually uh, a psychiatrist, and he said one thing that really dawned on me, and he said that happiness is not sustainable. Happiness cannot be because no one can be happy every single day, Mike. That's right. So um, the ups and downs, just like an EKG, you have like dialectic pressure and systolic pressure. You, you have like the, the, the pursuit of happiness, like the movie with Will Smith. Is happiness really a pursuit? Is it a destination? Is, what's, what's in between? I think of happiness like a horse. And the horse always wants to buck you off. And you have to keep getting on because we are living in a physical world with external stimuli, some of it good, some of it bad. We also have internal stimuli, right? We have cavemen brains. Mm -hmm. The reason why we have thousands of negative thoughts running across our brain all day long is because back when there was no school or any kind of you know, teaching, the brain had to have negative thoughts so you didn't fall off a cliff. So you didn't walk into a tiger's den and just lay down, right? We can't stop those thoughts of negativity. However, we can ignore them. Mm -hmm. So you have to ignore those thoughts that will bring you down, right? Because we make the decision to be happy all day long. And sometimes, you know, look, if, if let's talk real here. Let's say you're a customer service rep. And your job all day long, five days a week, is to get negative phone calls. How in gosh name are you supposed to be happy when there's people yelling at you all day long? Correct. This is how. My happiness formula is purpose plus progress equals happiness. Write down the purposes of your life. And we have multiple purposes. When I did this exercise over a dozen, 10 years ago, I wrote down, be a great husband to my wife, Shannon, be a great father to my children, be a great financial advisor to my, uh, to my clients. Uh, I've been in financial services for 30 years. I have a wealth management company called Happiness Wealth Management and on and on. So when you get that phone call, when you get that bad news, you fall back on purpose. And you, you just say, you know what? And that's why I tell people if they're in a job where they can put up pictures of their family and or loved ones, do that. Because then you can distract yourself. You can say, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you say, oh, I love the dress that mom is wearing there. I remember that day. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. Thank you. You know, you have to let it slide off your back. You have to fall back on purpose. I see. Now, if you go with uh, what you just mentioned about the negative thought, we have like 60,000 thoughts that comes into our mind and into our brain actually on a daily basis. And sometimes it's so hard to be able to manage them. Some people keep those thoughts and they linger inside their mind. And this is why they, they feel anxiety. They feel depression. That is, that is something that they cannot get away from. But those who have those limiting beliefs about themselves, those who are dealing with, am I capable of doing this? And you know the expression, those who say they can, or those who say they can't, they're both right. So how do you break off this limiting belief that people 
deal with it, especially after this pandemic. And, and uh, I'm not sure if we could call it we're post-pandemic because we're still having some cases here and there, but it's not such a, a big subject nowadays. We don't hear so much of the, oh, you got to get vaccinated, you got to get this, you got to get that. So again, if we go back to the limiting beliefs, what do you suggest to people to get away from that grasp that these beliefs have on them? Okay. First of all, we live in an amazing society, in an amazing country where you really do have the opportunity to be who you want to be. The unexamined life, Dan, is not a life worth living. You must write down who you want to be. You must write down who you want to be in relationship with. You must write down your goals and your dreams. All of us have different dreams in our heart put, to, put there by God. There's a reason why you want to open up an animal shelter and I don't, right? Now, I have studied this, you know, you'll never meet anybody more obsessed with happiness than me. That's like, that, that's why God put me on this earth. I'm the happiness guy. I'm just obsessed, right? So I read things like people who work in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in, in places where there's a lot of dying and what older folks say, what their regrets are, you know, the, the most common regrets. And the most common regrets is they spent too much time on work and they didn't spend enough time with the people that they loved and they didn't realize the dreams that they carried into their 80s and 90s that haunted them. What I have to say right now is stop being haunted by the dreams and desires in your heart and start taking baby steps to that goal. Mm -hmm. So let's say your dream is to open up a pet shelter. Let's say God put in your heart this empathy for pets and for, you know, cats and, and dogs on the street, and it just breaks your heart. Well, you say, well, how can I do that? I don't have any money. I'm just an ordinary person. Mm -hmm. That's where the internet comes in. That's where Facebook comes in. There are people that's, that have skills that can raise money that are fantastic at it. That's why they were put here. <laughs> there are great accountants that can, you know, that can set up a 501c3. I set up my own 501c3. I didn't know I could do it till I did it, okay? You don't know what you can do until you actually try. You know, as I look back on my life, yes, there's a lot of stuff that I still wanna do, but I'm amazed at the things that I have done. And as a result of that, I'm, I'm just jazzed. I'm jazzed all day long. And people like being around me because I'm always so happy because I can see the future. I can taste it. So what should you do? Read my book. Read your book, Dan. Go to YouTube. Look at inspirational speakers who have been there, who have done that. Get some of that passion. You can feed off these very passionate people. Say, you know what? They did it. I can do it. That's one of the reasons why I opened up the Happiness Hall of Fame. I got to meet Dr. Wayne Dyer, who was a gigantic hero of mine. When I told him about the Happiness Hall of Fame, he goes, that's me. <laughs> that's me. And he's the only person that's in the hall posthumously. His daughter accepted the award because, well, you know, why would I want to induct Martha Washington, who died 200 years? But there's no point. I want to inspire and encourage and recognize people while they're still alive. Right. You know, I got to meet John C. Maxwell a week ago. 
amazing. The man is 75 years old. He's written 82 books on leadership. This week, he's meeting with the president of Guatemala, he told me, to help instill values and to get people out of poverty. It's never too late. Think of Colonel Sanders. The man was on Social Security with a crazy idea. He went into a thousand restaurants and said, in my pocket, I have a recipe for the best fried chicken. And if you'll give me 10% of your profits, I'll give you the recipe. <laughs> he was kicked out a thousand times. It was the stupidest idea. But somebody said yes once. Mm -hmm. Now, Kentucky Fried Chicken's in China. Yes. What is, what goal do you have in your heart? You can do it. You can do it because there's other people out there that are waiting to help you. The greatest, the greatest course I ever took was a continuing education course at Stanford University where I've guest lectured over the years. Who would have thought I would have guest lectured at Stanford University? I didn't have the grades again at Stanford University. The name of the course was failure. That's it, one word, failure. And it was taught by a great professor who was very elderly. He had come to Stanford in the late 50s from Wisconsin. Genius of a man. And it was very, very simple. Over the eight week period, we met for two hours every week. And the homework was to do something that you are afraid of failing at. And this is the other thing. You've got to get an accountability partner in your life. I have seven accountability partners with that I meet with weekly. Get an accountability partner if you want to go far. It says in the Bible, one can chase a hundred, but two can chase a thousand. Okay. Now we would break up into accountability groups of four. We would state, this is what we want to do. And then we would check in the following week. And I always think about the people that were in my accountability group usually didn't do anything that week. And I think when they think back on, you know, trying to find parking, which is terrible at Stanford, mm -hmm. trying, you know, paying for that, uh, rearranging their schedules to get there at night, and they take a course on failure and they failed at it, that stinks. Don't be one of those people. Fear is the false evidence appearing real. Do what you want in life. Brene Brown says, live in the arena and not the cheap seats. I got to interview Muhammad Ali. I got to personally induct him many years ago. Uh, he and his wife invited me out to his museum. And I remember I was packing my suitcase to go out to Louisville. And I, as I clicked my suitcase closed, I looked at my wife and I go, the Happiness Hall of Fame is real. I got Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. And because I got Muhammad Ali, so many other people came in. Yes. Who would have thought Muhammad Ali would have believed in my vision? I didn't, but I tried and it worked. Very noble vision you got there. And also to reiterate back what you said, for those who actually think that there's an age for success, Kentucky for Chicken succeeded when he was 65. Yes. He was already close to retired. And it's quite phenomenal that he pursued it. And now it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So that in itself is quite... Uh, Interesting. At the same time, um, what you said about the, you know, those who actually are focused on helping others to be happy, like you are focused on making your wife happy, making your kids happy, etc. And then at the same time, 
this in itself makes you happy, which motivates you to be able to continue your mission, continue your purpose in life, in which is very honorable, I mean, especially on what you're trying to do and to allow others to be able to pursue their own happiness. Now, the million dollar question to you here, uh, Mike, is happiness a choice or a feeling? Happiness is a choice. First of all, I tell everybody, take continuing education classes. My second favorite class, and it wasn't during getting my degree in psychology, to be honest with you, my bachelor's, it was a great course, continuing education at Stanford, taught by Dr. Laura Delazana, Stanford Medical School. She's on my board of advisors for the Happiness Hall of Fame. She's in the hall. She taught a course, she taught a course, uh, taught a course called Choose happiness. And every week, she would start out by saying happiness is a choice. And that's all it is. It's a choice. Do you want to live your life in self-pity? Let's go through an imaginary person's life. Her name is Donna. Donna's born. Donna worries her whole life. Donna is afraid of things. Donna is too afraid of going after the career she wants, going after the relationship she wants, living in the place where she wants. Donna dies. Let's look at her sister, Alexa. Alexa is born. Alexa is a risk taker. Alexa goes after the man she wants, even though culturally that's what she's not supposed to do. And she has an amazing marriage. She goes after the career she wants and breaks through glass ceilings. Nothing can stop her. She lives in the part of the country that she wants and gets a second house somewhere else that she's always dreamed of, took the risk. Alexa gets a dog, even though it's a lot of work, but it brings so much joy to take care of another living thing. And Alexa dies happy because she chose to do it. Two sisters, two different outcomes. Do you wanna be Alexa or do you wanna be Donna? The choice is yours. Beautiful, that's actually a very honorable answer. Now you, you mentioned about the FEAR, which is the acronym for Fall Expectation Appearing Real. And now it's good to add also that FAIL means first attempt in learning. Nice. Oh, I love that, Dan. Oh, <laughs> so that in itself, a lot of people that fail, they think it's the end, but this is just the beginning. So we have to teach people that, and it's interesting that there's a course called failure, which I've never heard of something because already the connotation of it is negative. But then when you look at what fail, the acronym fail means, it's actually all positive. And people that, if you, you mentioned about accountability partners, just like people who go to the gym for the first time, they go and hire a personal trainer. I mean, I've been one for 25 years and them just showing up or having me as a trainer is already make them be accountable for them waking up in the morning at 5 a.m., driving to the gym, getting to their workout in and feeling more productive on a daily basis. So, but then when the challenge becomes when those accountable partners are no longer accountable for their own action, then that becomes a problem for you because you no longer can depend on them. You switch them out. Everything has a season. You know, a lot of people get very depressed. 
oh, I was very close friends with this friend and they left. It's extremely painful to lose a good friend, but you have to understand that people in your life are only there for a season. Mm -hmm. You'll be seasonal to somebody. You'll create pain to somebody else because you learned, stretched and growed and growed out of that situation, or maybe you moved. You know, it's just, that's just how life is. There's nothing, in, there's nothing concrete. Change is inevitable. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story right now that this is how I try to live my life. And I was so inspired. Many, many years ago, I was invited to a church in a very poor area. The church was so poor that they didn't even have a facility. Um, they were allowed on the weekend to use this empty warehouse to meet. And I'm at the back of the church. A friend of mine invited me. So I said, sure. He said, you know, you're going to, you're going to, my favorite music is gospel music. He says, you're going to hear the most amazing gospel music. And I said, oh, I'm in what time and where? <laughs> and he goes, well, my gospel group's going to perform, you know, we're visiting and you're going to hear their gospel. I said, I just can't wait. Tell me. So before the gospel music started, the pastor said, look, and this was like 0809. Okay. So it was a tough time financially. People were losing their jobs left and right. And the pastor said, I want to start out by prayer. I want to have an altar call. Everybody come up that's lost their job and needs prayer, right? Half the place gets up and walks towards the pastor. And he goes, okay. He says, wait a second. He goes, this, this young woman up here in the front is smiling and looks like she won the lottery. Well, why are you smiling? Why are you so happy if you lost your job and you're up here with everybody else who lost your job? She says, Pastor, she goes, yes, I lost my job, but I'm so looking forward to what has God in store for me next. I wasn't that happy at my last job, and I can't wait to see what's coming in the future. I consciously tried to mimic that young girl's expectation that life is beautiful and the best is yet to come. Try to maintain that. Try to believe that and you'll have a much better life. That is a beautiful story there, Mike. Now for the last question, how is happiness intrinsically correlated to the laws of attraction? This is what I'll say on that. When you are happy, people can tell you're smiling, you have energy, you're motivated. People want to tap into that, right? So let's say you're a salesperson, right? And, and one of your jobs is to cocoa. So you could be like, hello, and you have enthusiasm and people are just like, well, maybe what this guy is selling is what I need. Versus, hello, I got another you. <laughs> you just hang right up, right? Hello, blah, 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 blah. Understand this. If you want to attract other happy, well-adjusted people into your life, be happy and well-adjusted. Do what it takes to get there. And that's where I think that those Venn diagram circles coincide. Wow. So... How can people find you, Mike? And I know some people, they, they, they probably are extremely inspired by this podcast, by what you had to say, by our interaction. So if someone needs to be able to get this inspiration from you, where can they find you? Or the books that you've written? Sure. So you can go to MikeDuffySpeaks.com. 
uh, you know, I do a lot of work, you know, this, uh, in a couple of days, I'll be down in Austin, uh, speaking at a big uh, conference for a giant tech company. You can go to uh, happinesshalloffame.com and you can see speeches there from some very famous people. The funniest speech is Dolly Parton that she sent me. She couldn't make it to Stanford. Um, you can see my TEDx talk. Just, just type in Mike Duffy happiness and it comes up. And you can go to Amazon. And all my books are free, by the way. <laughs> um, if you're a Prime member, you can download them for free. Beautiful. Well, Mike, that is all the time that we have for today's uh, podcast. I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story and inspiration. Now, we hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season eight of the Happiness Journey podcast, filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. Richard Nixon once said, defeat doesn't finish a man, quitting does. A man is not finished when he's defeated. He's finished when he quits. There's so many out there that will find the easier way of the challenging situation, and you will just start looking for excuses to avoid feeling the guilt of quitting. They will constantly look for a reason as to why this path is not the right one for them, even though signs are clear that this may be the best path for them. Successful people are so familiar with that path of uncertainty as they live in daily. Despite experiencing incredible success, failure can be waiting right around the corner. Stay humble with your struggling beginning as you may re-experience these beginnings again. Nothing is guaranteed in life, but what is certain is that quitting will always call failure. Stay away from it at all costs. My name is Dr. Dan Amzalag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.